Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we look back on a busy week in golf where Rory McIlroy returned to the winner's circle and the Premier Golf League was once again on the agenda. Hi, I'm Paul McGinley, and you're listening to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse Podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf, and the most played golf ball at the Canary Islands Championship, with 73% of the field putting one in play in Tenerife last week, including winning Titleist brand ambassador, Garrick Higo. For more information on the number one ball in golf, head to titleist.co.uk. Hello, and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark, and... I'm back after a week off and I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm a bit tired, actually. Quite a long, busy weekend. But uh, yeah, all the better hearing your voice for the first time in a couple of weeks. Indeed, indeed. Um, did you play any golf? Uh, yeah, I played yesterday. But to be honest, the, the less said about that, the better. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that good, eh? Oh, fine. Um, I haven't played golf now for a couple of weeks. I uh, had a very busy week, including having my brother's wedding. So congratulations to Chris and Emma on getting married, finally. They've had to postpone it a couple of times because of COVID. So uh, it was, we had a very nice day, but um, haven't had a chance to play much golf. Hopefully that changes soon. Uh, but very excited to see Rory win last night. That was great, wasn't it? Yeah, amazing. It's been so long. Uh, the longest winning drought of his career, unbelievably. And, um... You do sort of wonder, like, does he uh, does he still have it? And yeah, he showed how how good he is, and, and made it actually quite easy in the end. I thought. Yeah, I thought he played superbly. I think golf is better when he's playing well. Um, he's back in the world's top ten now, which he, you know I can't believe he's actually outside the world's top ten. Well, for a few weeks anyway. Um, and you know, let's face it, the last time he played was at the Masters. We we're all a bit disappointed how he played. Um, but it's shown his game was always just there. It was just, a, I think he just needed a nudge in the right direction, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he, he teamed up with Pete Cowan, didn't he? So maybe he was working on a few too many things. I don't know. But, um, I mean, a, a golfer that good, it doesn't take much to just turn it around. And it looks like he's starting to play a fade off the tee now with his driver, which uh, we saw Dustin Johnson have incredible success with and and to be fair even thinking like Martin Keimer he was world number one hitting a fade as well so it's a good shot to have and and he he did look a little bit wayward over the last sort of few months he was hitting it left and right and um, yeah you you can't score with a two-way miss and um, perhaps that's what Pete Cowan has really helped him with. Yeah I think that's absolutely yeah and as you said so he won the world of Fargo uh, ending his longest winning drought of his career the Wells Fargo Championship Quail Hollow you know, he's had so much success over that course. I think that's, I think everything just came to, you know, to be. So he's obviously trying trying a couple of new things, but on a course which he really, really enjoys, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, an amazing first win, wasn't it, in 2010, I think, his first PGA Tour victory when he shot 62 there. Uh, won again in 2015, I believe. So, um, yeah, some people just have those courses, don't they? And, and you think of Rory as, like, one of the all-time greats, like, not one of the, the very best, but definitely in that sort of top 10, top 20. And um, for him to win at an event for the third time is, is is really special. And like, you know, we've seen Tiger Woods 
win events like eight times. And yeah, this is the first tournament that Roy's won three times. So uh, a very happy stomping ground for him. It's his 19th PJ Tour title. Do you know who he ties that with? There's a few people who have also got 19 uh, PJ Tour titles, but one in particular will be very close to Ernie's heart. Uh, to, oh, I've just given it away. <laughs> <laughs> to Roy's heart. And that's Ernie Els, which I just gave away. Uh, did you know that, that Ernie Els also has 19 PJ Tour titles? And Ernie was one of Rory's big heroes when he was growing up. Did you know that? Uh, I did, yeah. I know that he uh, named his first dog Theodore after Ernie Els. I think that's Ernie's uh, birth name. Absolutely, absolutely. Good little fact for you there. Uh, well, well, that was where I was going. I've, I've teed you up there and also given away the, you know, the fact, the uh, the question. But never mind. Um, so yeah, and, you know, when you you start talking about Rory, oh, he's got the same amount of PJ Tour wins as Ernie Els now. You know, someone a legend of the game in the, in that in that sense. You know, it's it kind of shows. Hang on a minute, he's. You know, there's not many people who've got to 20 PJ Tour wins, has there? Have there? So, you know, he's won away from that now. So, um, it's all looking really good. He's, it's just that he's he's just been in this drought, which everyone starts doubting. You know, his ability and his mindset. But you got he's had a lot of things going on in the last few years. He's become a dad for the first time. You know, um, so you know, it's it's tough to get everything in line. You know, he was playing superbly before COVID as well, wasn't he? He was. He was playing. He was playing the best golf, wasn't he, at that time? Yeah, but but he wasn't winning. I think he had like seven top fives in a row, and yeah, you could say that's fantastic, which it is. But for a guy like Rory, he, he needs to be winning golf tournaments. And and what you're saying there about Ernie Els, Ernie is is well retired now from the PGA Tour. So for Roy to match that at the age of 32, because it was his birthday last week as well, uh, is really special. And you think Mickelson didn't start winning majors till his 30s. Rory's already got four. Miguel Angel Jimenez was an absolute beast in his 40s as well, wasn't he? He had some amazing success there. So um, he's still really young, actually, at 32. And, and I love watching him play golf. He's just a joy to watch. And, and I really, really do hope that the best is, is yet to come. But uh, it's, it's going to be tricky for him to, to continue winning majors. Yep, absolutely. It's going to be tricky, but let's so let's quickly talk about that. You know, we've got the PGA Championship just coming over the horizon. Starts next week, being played at Kiowa, where Roy's had success before, hasn't he? So, you know, he's he's now going to be now favourite going into into that, isn't he? Uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to to back Roy at a major, though, isn't it? After the last six and a half years, but. We say that Kwai Hollow is a happy stomping ground for him and, and Kiowa Island certainly is. He won by eight shots there, I think, didn't he, in 2012, which just feels like a lifetime ago. But, um, yeah, come on, he, he's well overdue a major, isn't he? So he seems in a good place. His swing looks fantastic. I, I still can't see it happening, to be honest, but uh, I wouldn't doubt him. Really? You can't, you can't see Rory winning the, at, the, at PJ at a course where he's won before. He's won the major there before, where he absolutely dominated back in 2012 you know he, that 20, 2012 is always the year which i always think rory mcelroy has forgotten about because because the olympics was that year he was an outstanding player in 2012 and he's he's going into that he's going to be full of confidence now that he's won again because he's part you know, it wasn't just his swing you know he absolutely as you said his swing seems to be in much better place he wasn't missing left and right you know he's obviously got Got it into his head. He's going to hit, try and hit this fade off the tee now because I think he finds hitting a draw too too tricky with the with the modern clubs. I think he said. So um, 
you know, suddenly things are looking great, but he's putted fantastic as well. And if his putting is in shape, we know his his tee to green game is amazing. So if he puts well, he's going to win most weeks, isn't he? Yeah, but we need to sort of take a step back and just think he's won the the Quell Hollow Wells Fargo Championship, and for the last six and a half, seven years, he doesn't win major championships. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be really hard to pick him there. Albeit what you say is fantastic, you know, he's he's shown some really good signs, he's just won a tournament, his putting did look very good, but yeah, there's just so many other great golfers out there at the moment that just seem to have a little bit more in those big four tournaments, um, but uh, yeah, like I said, I, I won't doubt him, and I'll be over the moon if he, if he goes and wins. It does sound like you are doubting him a bit, don't you? But which is nothing wrong with that. People uh, have been, I, I think people have been doubting him for several, for quite a while now, and uh, I think hopefully um, a few haters of will keep the noise down a bit now because we all know how good Rory is, and um, you know having another another PGA Tour victory under his belt. In the, especially, I thought he played very very well down the stretch yesterday. I mean, he hit one bad shot, which was a tee shot on eighteen, and even then he then thought things through really well I thought with uh with Harry Diamond his caddy he's who's also taken quite a lot of uh negative comments recently I thought they really chatted through what to do on 18 really clearly worked out exactly what to do properly um they knew they couldn't couldn't get a double so they were trying to make sure that 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 was the one thing that they couldn't do and I thought they planned it out really well I thought there was excellent caddying from Harry Diamond as well which um I'm not sure he will get the plaudits for that because Roy will get so many of the plaudits. So um, uh, I think they're they're working well as a team again, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And and also Rory was one over after the first round, and you saw him on Saturday just being like, "Yay, weekend golf!" So uh, after obviously missing the cut of the Masters, missing the cut of the Players, missing the cut at the Genesis as well, I think um, he was just really excited to to not miss the cut. I think and clearly. Didn't expect to win after that opening round. I think he just, as he as he said, was just happy to make the weekend, and and there was no pressure on him either. And again, that's something that he's going to come under at Kiowa. You're saying he's the favourite. A lot of people are going to say he's the favourite. Um, so yeah, that's that's where he needs to go in this next phase of his career. Is when people say you're winning the the career Grand Slam this week at Augusta, you got to say, yep, I'm going to do. I can take the pressure. Or next week, you can say, yep, I can take the pressure. I know I'm tournament favourite, whereas this week it was a little bit different, wasn't it? It seemed very relaxed and it just sort of came out of nowhere on, on the weekend. It's a very fair point about um, that first round. So the Golf Monthly tips of Jeremy Chapman tipped another winner because he backed Rory um, this week. So another more success. So make sure you always look out for his his tips at the Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com. Uh, but on Thursday evening, I think, or Friday morning, he Jeremy actually tweeted saying, Rory played dreadfully. It's one of the worst tips I've ever done. <laughs> if he plays like that, and I think Rory was out to twenty to one at that point. Uh, but even Jeremy Chapman was like, "Going, oh, I think I've, I think I've had a bit of a boo boo here." But then three days later, he, he's won it, in, and uh, Rory's won it, and and another another tip for Chapman, another successful tip for Chapman. So uh, it is a funny game. It didn't look like he played fantastically well on Thursday, although I'll be honest with you, I didn't see it. But. Um, I don't think many people were backing him to to be raising the trophy on Sunday night. So, uh, but that's golf for you. And we're going to hear from Rory in a minute because there was other news this week, and Rory was very vocal in his analysis of this, which was the Premier Golf League, which 
has been on our agenda now for, I don't know, 18 months, something like that. Apparently, it's changed its name now to the Super Golf League, which I'll be honest with you, sounds a bit village. Super Golf League. Uh, I don't like this how, how that sounds. But uh, Daily Telegraph reported that offers of $30 million were being made. Some of the world's biggest names, including Dustin Johnson, Phil Mixon, Dustin Rose, Bryce DeChambeau, to come and join the new Super Golf League. And But there's plenty of people speaking out about it, really. Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas and Webb Simpson all cast doubts over it. We were expecting this to come back into the news, weren't we? Yeah, they uh, they don't seem to be giving up, do they, after the European Tour and PGA Tour Strategic Alliance, the new player impact programme, which uh, I think you'll hear Rory now saying just how how excited and fond about that is, which is no surprise, to be honest, when he's going to be handed out millions of dollars. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's back in the news. I still don't think it's going to happen. Uh, you need players like Rory McIlroy on side, and he is definitely not on side. Yeah, absolutely. So let's hear from Rory now as he... Uh gives his thoughts on more news of the Premier Golf League or Super Golf League. Yeah, so, um, yeah, look, the Player Impact Programme is, you know, it's a way to, you know, it's a way to reward the top players for for engaging with the PGA Tour. Um, but it's also a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a programme designed to, you know, it's it's not as if it's just this. Okay, the top ten players or, you know, the top ten names in the game get this money and thank you for your loyalty. There's a bit more to it. I think that, um, you know, Justin Rose made a good point. He said, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships, and I think that the, you know, with the top players being more engaged in the in the tour and the goings on, and you know, it it'll it'll help the rest of the membership. You know, that's I think that's how I feel about it, and. Um, you know, I was, I made the point it's, you know, I think it's still a p- possibility or there's the potential for anyone to get into this top 10, right? You have someone like, a, I, I was making this point yesterday, like a Will Zalatoris who was on the corn ferry last year. He's had a wonderful rise. You know, he's, a, he's cool. He's got a really cool look. He's young. You know, there's, there's a possibility if he keeps playing the way he's playing this year, he could be in that top 10. Um, and to think about that, to think about this kid that's coming up that was on the corn ferry like a year ago and could make that top 10. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. So it, it means that there's the potential there for anyone on tour to get in there if they play well enough. And, and also, um, obviously all the, you know, if you play, you know, I don't want to say winning takes care of everything, but you know, you, you play well on this tour, you have amazing opportunities. And I just picked will out of that because of the run he's on at the minute and the potential that he has going forward so um i think it's a great initiative by the tour i like it's it's all you know i think everyone knows it was a little bit designed to to try to appease some of the people that um had their heads turned by different leagues or sgl pgl tour de force whatever you want to call it um but i think it's a very prudent move on the on the tour's part and then with with the the SGL, yeah. Look, they've they first contacted me back in 2014. So this is seven years down the line, and you know nothing has really changed. The you know maybe the 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 source of the money's changed, or the people that are in charge have changed, um, but nothing has happened. No sponsorship deals, no media deals, 
no players have signed up, no manufacturers have signed up. It's been through so many iterations at this point. And I think people, you know, you go back to what happened last week in Europe with the, the, the European Super League in football, you know, people can see it for what it is, which is a which is a money grab, which is fine if that's what you're playing golf for is to make as much money as possible. Totally fine. Then, you know, go and do that if that's what makes you happy. But I think the top players in the game, you know, I'm, I'm just speaking on, on you know, my own personal personal beliefs. Like I'm playing this game to try to to cement my place in history and my legacy and to win major championships and to win the biggest tournaments in the world. I mean, that's why I'm playing this game golf has been very good to me obviously over the years by playing in Europe starting off coming over to the PGA Tour and playing here and you know I, I, I honestly don't think there's a better structure in place um, in golf and I don't think there will be you know you have the um, you know this strategic partnership as well between Europe and the PGA Tour and that's only going to strengthen you know, the structure of golf going forward as well in terms of scheduling and, and all sorts of other stuff and working together a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was a coincidence that you know, the news came out yesterday just as, you know, where, you know, the PGA Tour is having their annual player meeting and, and Jay's addressing the membership. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you all know my feelings on it and I'm, I'm very much against it. And I, I don't see why, you know, I don't see why anyone would be for it you have to protect your product right you have to protect what you have it's a competitive threat so and it's in the you know jay took us through it last night it's in the bylaws that were written by the members if you if you you know it, it's just it's it's the same thing it's like if you were to i'm trying to think of any other leagues or anything else but it's just i yeah, I mean, I, if if I were in charge of the PGA Tour, I would I would do the same thing. I mean, it's just like you you saw what you saw what happened last week in the UK and in Europe with the the European Super League. The the top you know twelve clubs got together and said, let's keep more of the money for ourselves. And you know, people didn't like that. You know, that's not you know it it, it affects competition. It it affects the integrity of competition. And you know, I just. I just can't see how it works. I just, as I said at the start, the I think the model that the PGA Tour and the European Tour have, I don't think there's a better model for for the game of golf because it gives every you know gives everyone an opportunity to to go out there and have a great week and and you know change their lives. I mean, you know, even you go through the you know the past the past winners here at Quail Hollow like Derek Ernst back in 2013 or 14 or whatever one here. You know, and that's a life-changing week for him. So, you know, he wouldn't have that opportunity if something like the SGL got off the ground. So, yeah, look, it's a it's a complicated issue, but I I just don't see at this point how it can how it can get going, and um, and the, you know the the possibility that people, if they do go in that direction, can't play in the biggest tournaments in the game, and you know the game of golf whether it's a right thing or a wrong thing, is so about history. And so about, you know, we still talk about Gene Saracen and Walter Hagen and Ben Hogan and all those guys because, you know, that's what this game is. It's steeped in history and it's and it and the legacies that those guys have. And, you know, you if you move further away from that, you're you're basically losing the essence of what what competitive golf is. So Again, that's that's my stance on it, and that's been my stance for a long time. And um, 
I just I just can't see how it happens. So there was Roy McRoy, not holding back there as we like Rory to do. He uh, he always speaks his minds about it, um, and he's very clear that he thinks it's a bit of a cash grab, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah I mentioned in the what's it called the European Super League from the other week where uh, <laughs> that kind of fell on its feet, didn't it? And yeah, we heard the, the Daily Telegraph report early last week, and we just thought. Oh wow, Roy Mackerel is playing this week. We're going to get some good quotes. Is he going to change his mind or, or is he going to double down? Because last year he said he was out. He said he didn't like where the money was coming from. And yeah, this time he um, he basically echoed what he said last time, didn't he? It was just just very clear how it, how he feels about it. I think Roy Mackerel is a spokesman for the game of golf. I think people listen when he talks, and I think his fellow tour pros are going to follow him if if he wants to stay on the PGA Tour. I think 90% of his peers are going to stay with him. Yeah, I think that's it. And I think he's right. I mean, the the whole European Super League football thing has really shone a light on, you know, how much money is being wasted and being pushed just to the top of the game. And, And golf's already in that situation. We've spoken about it before, about how much money there is at the top of the game and how little it appears to to drip down to grassroots. Um, I know it's slightly different when the individual players are being, being paid the money. And we did talk about um, the player program, which the PJ Tour have put in place about, which we think is pretty, well, I certainly think is pretty disgusting that $40 million can go be shared out to people who are big on social media or grab headlines. I just don't think it's, it's required. Um, and I mean, how much money do the top of top, players need you know there's so much money in the game you know every single week someone will win and win a million dollars you know on the pj tour it's there's silly amounts of money which go into the game now it's great that it's it, it's we've got the sponsors who want to do this and it's fantastic but i i i'm with rory you know wh- where is the actual where's the benefit in joining this this breakaway league other than a bit more money when, and which all the players who are going to be involved already have more money than they can ever spend. So what's, where's the actual join it? Because the chances are there's, you're going to be potentially banned from tours. You're going to lose your world ranking. You won't be able to play in majors, might be able to play in the Ryder cup. You know, why, why on earth would you want to, to join this league when you've got more money than you can ever spend already? I, I just don't get it. To be honest with you. Yeah, obviously, like we're not multi multi millionaires, so we can't really put our feet in their shoes. I guess, like, if you've got 50 million and you're being offered another 100 million, maybe you might think, Oh, you know, I could buy a nice super yacht with that, or I don't know, do, do this or buy this. So, you know, I'm sure they all have their reasons, but I think there's a little bit more money than perhaps we think in this new Premier Golf League. It sounds like they're getting team ownership and and I did see an $100 million price for Phil Mickelson. Uh, I don't know if that's true or it's just a report, but uh, it's going to be like teams of four, I think, where people will own their own teams or, or something similar to that. But, um, yeah, the, the PGA and European Tours oppose it. The PGA and European Tours run the world rankings, basically. They run the majors. Also, they don't run the majors, but they're in with the, with the majors and them. The USGA, the PGA of America, the RNA, they're not going to support this. The Ryder Cup as well, it needs its its best players to be played in that. Otherwise, it would just be nothing. So, yeah, it's, it's got way too many hurdles to get over for me. Um, 
to, to get off the ground. And and also Tiger Woods as well. I was thinking like if they're trying to start this next September, Tiger's not going to be fit in time for that. And, and Tiger also wants to win his 83rd PGA Tour title. He spoke about that his entire career. I just, I just can't see him going for, for extra money. So without Tiger Woods, without Rory McIlroy, with an age in Phil Mickelson, I, I just don't think it gets off the ground. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And yeah, it's just, we'll wait and see. There's a lot of money flowing about the game at the moment and and, and sport at the moment, isn't it? Um, things seem to be changing. I don't know whether that's COVID related and people just looking at things a different way. I don't know. But um, uh, I don't, I hope it doesn't get in the way of the game because at the moment, I think the game's in such a good place. I think the standard of golf is, has never been better. And there's great competition. We Each time that we tee up, there's several people who, can win win events and play fantastic golf you know we look at back at the masters and hideki winning i think that was such a good such a good winner it, you know it's, it would be great to have someone else uh, you know we don't want to lose that competition that that's that's there at the moment so um we'll keep an eye on it and um i'm sure if players are still sounding out about it we'll keep you guys all involved and up to date and you can keep up to date with everything in the world of golf at the golf monthly website golfmonthly.com you can see jeremy chapman's brilliant betting tips he's had loads of winners already since he joined up just a month ago or so ago so that you know do check them out for one thing but also there's all the rest of the the, the game there there's gear reviews there's tips on how to swing it better there's features. There's, it's, it's, you know, we've got everything, the whole game there. So uh, do check out the Golf Monthly website and also our social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. Also, last week, Garrick Higo won the, again, the Canary Islands Championship for his third European Tour victory. He's on fire, isn't he? Yeah, uh, only 21 years old. It's just incredible. Really sort of come out of nowhere this last year. And um, yeah, we had a good story up on the website actually last week from Kit Alexander about Higo trying to make the, the President's Cup team next year. Said he wanted to kick some American ass. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it looks to be a real star of the future. And, uh, you know, maybe a 19-time PJ Tour winner like Ernie Els. Sure, who's uh, one of his idols growing up. I mean, he, he played brilliantly yesterday. Had a hole in one as well. Always handy when you're um, trying to put together a final round uh, on the European Tour. Up to 51st now in the world. And we know once you get into that top 50, you know, that all the doors open. You can pretty much pick and choose where you want to play. So, um, it's you know, he's looking like a real talent. 21 years old. Wow. You know, what an opportunity to have an incredible career. You know, already won three times in the European Tour. Already won twice this year um he could go on and do loads of things couldn't he yeah the the world is his oyster you know um good to have a lefty up there as well like there's not enough lefties in golf is there you think (laughs) there's we've had mickelson recently we've had bob mcintyre um now we've got garrick higo um bubba watson as well but yeah they're very few and far between so it's great to see a lefty uh, having success He's I'm just looking. His last he's played the last four weeks. Austrian Open, he finished fourth. Grand Canaria Open finished first. Tenerife Open finished eighth. Canary Islands Championship first. I mean, that's that's a hell of a run, isn't it? So he's gone from 110th in the world to 51st in in you know in a month or so. So fair play to him. Playing very very solid golf, and uh, I think that he's 
certainly someone to keep an eye out on um uh, and even at the majors because he's he's can be fearless isn't he 21 year old get out there just play some golf so fair play to him and um someone to keep a very close eye on um also there was success for former world number one araya jatanagan who won the honda lpga thailand ending a near three-year win drought to become the event's first home winner good to see her playing well again yeah fantastic uh we've seen a lot of um, world number ones in the women's game sort of fall away, haven't we, over the, the past sort of decade or so, thinking like Yanni Seng, she, she was so dominant. And I thought Aria Jatanagan was going to sort of be in that mould. Um, I don't know what, what's gone wrong with her, but um, yeah, great to see her back in the winner's circle. I think it's her first win since the Scottish Open a few years ago. And then uh, she also won the Women's British Open. She's won another major. Uh, and this was a really good finish in Thailand as well with um, another Thai starring um atia titical i think her name is um which was uh yeah a, a really good finish for for the lpga there's been some really good events lately some really good winners um so it seems in a, in a great spot yeah absolutely it's you know it's also i think it's one of those areas of the game which we the more that we can highlight how well they're playing i think helps you know we sp- we speak about all these millions and millions of dollars going on to the pga tour and we know that the lpga and the european ladies tour don't get the um don't get the same amount of money or same amount of coverage so it's always good for us to highlight how well the you know those people are playing because they're they are playing fantastic golf at the moment and if you ever get the chance to check them out and watch a bit do because it's really good competition usually and talking of good competitions the walker cup finished last night and the usa just about edged out you know a really good gbni side who, who were playing really well it was very close wasn't it yeah it was quite close down the end um i did think gbni would have a, a quite a good chance uh, with about sort of an hour, hour and a half left. But the uh, yeah, USA were a little bit too strong. But a fantastic result for GB and I, I thought. There was some great performances. Angus Flanagan looks a fantastic player. He's um, from quite local in, in Surrey. I think he plays at St George's Hill. So, um, yeah, definitely some future pro stars to look out for there. It was good to see some uh, team golf again. And it's always a nice little bit of a an appetizer before the Ryder Cup I think got the juices flowing a bit didn't they it was it was good to see a few people watching it there was uh, some cheers going around and as you say I thought both teams were played fantastically really good golf um in quite tough conditions I think some of those um where they were playing as well so uh yeah unfortunately GB and I didn't quite win for the GB and I fans out there but I thought it was a very good performance by them. And I'm sure some of those guys we will see on the Pro Tours in the not-too-distant future. Before we finish up on the Tour action this week, we need to talk about another great week for our sponsor, Titleist. First up, brand ambassador Garrett Higo relied on a bag of Titleist equipment, including the new TSI 3 driver and Pro V1X golf ball to capture his third European Tour title at the Canary Islands Championship. This makes it two wins in the past three events for the 21-year-old who becomes the fourth youngest player to recall three European Tour wins. Higo is also joined in the winner's circle by fellow South African Wilco Nienaba, who trusted the Pro V1 golf ball to secure his maiden professional win on the Challenge Tour, while major champion Aria Jatanagan had a new Pro V1X in play to become the first Thai player to win an LPGA Tour event on home soil at the Honda LPGA Thailand. To find out more about Titleist's fantastic product lineup in 2021, head to titleist.co.uk. Moving on, it's T 
10 years since two-time British Masters host Close House opened in Newcastle and the British Masters is being played this week, not at Close House, at the Belfry, but um, to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of Close House opening up, we spoke to the club's owner, Sir Graham Wiley, uh, and he discusses why he bought the property and the journey that the club has been on since it opened. So here we go. Well, delighted to be joined by Sir Graham Wiley on the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast today. Um, Graham, I think you're the first sir that we've ever had on this podcast. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to join you, and uh, I feel very humbled and honoured to be uh, given in uh, Night of the Realm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're celebrating a very special day today, marking 10 years since Close House Golf Club was uh, was open to the public. Yeah, just talk to me about how it feels and, and what that journey's been like. Yeah, it's an amazing journey, really. And uh, as, as you say, 10 years ago, we had... Uh, Lee Westwood, who at the time was the world's number one golfer, arrived by helicopter uh, at the golf course and officially opened it. And um, it was a great day. We had uh, we had lots of guests there and lots of members. And uh, Lee played the course. And then we had uh, a dinner afterwards and uh, some entertainment. He was meant to leave at about uh, half past five, but he stayed till nearly 10 o'clock. Um, and then I got a phone call about two weeks later saying that... Uh, you know, have you got an attached to a professional? And I said, uh, in my naivety, uh, I'm not sure what that is. Explain to me, please. And they explained what he does for the club. And uh, he said that he'd like to be our attached pro. And that was 10 years ago. And I, I signed that deal. And uh, he's been absolutely brilliant for us. He's a, a consummate professional. And he's just uh, a really nice guy to know. And he's been the perfect ambassador for the golf club. And uh, he's been here for 10 years now. It's, uh, it's gone very quickly. Uh, we've done amazing things. And uh, we've just signed up for another five years. So, uh, you know, long may uh, prosper and continue. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So you, you guys weren't friends before. You just, you wanted no, him as the, first, the number one golfer in the world. The first time I met him was when he landed on, on, the, on my front lawn in a helicopter. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was quite a funny story, actually, because um, we had uh, all the chefs in and all the waiters in for the clubhouse waiting for him to, and to make sure he had a nice breakfast. And uh, he came in and we sat down, had a quick chat. And I said, what do you fancy breakfast, Lee? He said, uh, can I have a tuna sandwich, please? Well, that was the one thing we didn't have in the clubhouse. And I was wondering why it took half an hour to bring a tuna sandwich to him. But uh, somebody nipped out the Sainsbury's and bought the tuna, made him a sandwich and gave it to him. Uh, brilliant. And then and that's how he played the course. He played with uh, a good friend of mine, Mr. Alan Shearer, uh, because Alan was instrumental in, in getting Lee to come to the clubhouse, wanted to play with him. And Lee wanted to play with Alan. So uh we had, a, we had a crowd going around and watching them play, and uh, I say everyone enjoyed the day. Oh, fantastic! So you bought the uh, the the close house mansion, I guess, in two thousand and four, I believe, and then it wasn't till eleven till it opened. So were you always planning to to sort of build a golf facility there? Well, what what happened was that it was owned by the University of Newcastle, and uh, that's where um, I was educated. That's where I actually wrote Sage accounts uh, while I was at university. So. I wanted to give something back to university and uh, they, they owned Close House Estate um, and uh, I'm trying to think of a thank you present for them and uh, they just said to me one day that uh, they, they own the estate but they, it costs them money to, to, to run it and to use it and I said well listen is it okay if I buy it off you and, uh, and let you continue using it for say 25 years at my cost and that's my thank you present. So that's how it all started. Now when I first bought the estate uh, there's only one golf course on there um, which we now call the Philly Golf Course. And it was a Me Too golf course. In fact, it was worse than that because it also had football rugby pitches on the fairways. 
because University used it for, for all three sports. And um, you know, there's, there's an honesty box on the first tee box, and it was full of Tesco receipts and train tickets and anything but money. Um, so I, w- I wonder what I'd bought. And I thought, right, I need to try and make this a commercial venture and try and get it to, to wash its face. So I bought some additional land and moved the football route pitches off the course and then upgraded the course. But even then, it was still a, a Me Too golf course, and there's, there's plenty of those around in the northeast. And I couldn't really drive membership numbers because uh, there was nothing special about it. So I was then very lucky that the local farmer who owned the, the 200 acres to the, uh, the west of the clubhouse um, wanted to sell it because he was sick of sheep and cattle farming. So I bought the land off him and built what is now the cold course, the championship course, which gave me two golf courses, but I had something very special there. And then the fact that we got Lee to open it made it even more um, uh, you know, popular in the area. And uh, ever since then, it's been great. And uh, you know, we've built up a, a good membership. We have nearly 800 members and uh, we do play and stay and, and that's very busy in the summer season. So so now, thankfully, commercially, it's, it's viable and, and, it's, and it washes its face. Wow, that's fantastic. So in a sense, it, it kind of snowballed. It did. Um, well, actually, when, when Lee started, uh, we just wanted somebody famous to open it because it got some uh, exposure in the press. And then when you want to be a tour professional, um, that's, when it, that's when it really started. And then, of course, the, the, the main thing was... Um, Back in 2017, when Lee was hosting the British Masters, he uh, he insisted to the European Tour that they come to close house because he said it was good enough. And uh, and they eventually agreed, even though it, was, it is in Newcastle, and they thought that they, they wouldn't get many crowds here and it would be hard to set up. But it turned out to be one of their most successful ever British Masters, and the crowds were enormous, and they got the most ever uh, views on social media, the highest views on TV, um, biggest crowds they've ever had, and the players... and. Bear in mind, we had Roy McIlroy and Sergio Garcia and Ian Poulter there. The players loved the place, so um, so that was a great fair than that cap. And ever since then, you know, we've been very busy, and uh, it's been it's been great to watch all the people coming and enjoying the place. Yeah, that must have been fantastic to see Rory McIlroy playing around your golf course. It was amazing. Uh, disappointed that Sergio missed the cut, by the way. <laughs> um, so he arrived on the Wednesday, played Thursday, Friday, and then had to go home because. Uh, he found the course a little bit difficult for him on that on that particular occasion. But and, and Rory, by the way, only made the cut by one shot. Um, but then he shot a couple of low rounds on Saturday Sunday and came second. Yeah, I remember that Paul Dunn chipped in on the final hole, didn't he? It was a, a fantastic tournament. He did. He did. It was great. And as I said, the, the crowds were great and the and, and the atmosphere on that on that final hole was brilliant, especially when he chipped in. So it was, it was a great cheer went up. So no, the whole thing was very successful. We had we we then hosted it again uh, last year. Um, because um, the European Tour, we just we just were happy with um, with how 2017 went. Sadly, last year there was no crowds. I was the crowd, um, but at least on TV, uh, without the crowds there, the the course looked magnificent on TV. I thought. Yeah, and are you, are you a golfer yourself, or were you a golfer before you bought the, the place? <laughs> Mr. Westwood says I'm a bandit. Um, <laughs> So I might, my, my, it's, it sounds crazy, right? I own two golf courses. I live on a golf course. I've got five professionals who teach golf for just my front door, but my handicap index is 20.9. Um, and on the Colt course, I play off 26. Oh, wow. So you can't be course. dangerous then. Which it always calls me a bandit. Yes. So, so last week, for example, we, we had, we started our doubles competition with the members and, uh, and I'm playing with Lee. Uh, we're, we're down there as a doubles partnership and we played our first game last week and uh, I had to carry him the whole way by the way you know I, I was the one putting the points on the board. <laughs> What's it like playing with Lee Westwood then it must be um, quite something. spectacular. It's, 
it is brilliant because a to to, to be so close to such a, such good players as Lee and watch how they play is just great great to be there. But fundamentally, he's such a nice guy. It's just like playing with your mates, only he's much better than you. Um, you know, I mean, the, when when the when the first tee off, especially the, the, the opponents, they are quite nervous. Um, but after two or three holes, they realise he's just he's just a nice guy and just just get on with it and uh, and everyone enjoys playing with him. And he's a great asset to the club because he's there. Uh, obviously, when he's not when he's on uh, on tours, he can't be there. But he lives nearby, so he's there quite a bit when he's not playing. And uh, the members love to see him there. Yeah, uh, and I imagine the last year has been a bit of a nightmare with lockdowns and travel bans and whatever. But have you got a nice plan for the future? Yes, I mean last year it was it was a, a frustrating year because you know uh, on Mar- in the middle of March when lockdown happened, I, was, I remember standing in the car park thinking, "Oh my goodness, me, what we're going to do?" Because we were fully booked that season and we had 173 events on the course, corporate events and charity events and society days and everything was cancelled. And we just thought, you know, what we're going to do. But, you know, grateful to the government for the furlough scheme. Uh, that helped a lot. So we survived that. And now we've got the perfect storm because nobody really cancelled their bookings. So we're very busy this summer um, from last year's bookings and new bookings. And uh, looking forward to, you know, to many years of... Um, of being very busy, not just with memberships, but with playing stay guests. And as I say, Lee's here for another five years, so we, we, we use him to promote the club and uh, and uh, people can get to, to, to see him and play with him. Um, if they're lucky during the year, members can get to see him and play with him in certain events and sort of playing stay guests. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, about you then, you got knighted in 2020, was it? Mm. And that it was... It was, it was, um, it was the New Year's Honours list, yeah. So I haven't actually been to the Palace yet because uh, it was all cancelled. Um, so hopefully one day next year I'll get I'll get there. And that was for services to to business and charity as well. And uh, just seeing the numbers that you've donated to charity is is phenomenal. And even what you're saying there about trying to help out the university. Uh, so yeah. why why is charity so important to you? Um, well, I've I've always been charitable because uh, you know if if you're someone who's successful in life uh, and I've been lucky to be that, you have to give something back to the community. And I've always been doing that. But what really uh, did it for me was uh, 11 years ago. Um, my twin daughter was born with a, a heart defect and she needed uh, open heart surgery just two days old. Um, and that really brought it to light that I had to do something to help all these people who have, um, who have children who are poorly or disadvantaged. And uh, that was a very personal thing for me. Um, I helped raise money for the, for the hospital. Um, we built a building to allow parents to stay there free of charge when their children have heart surgery. And I re-equipped the, the, the unit with brand new uh, technology. Um, but then, um, you know, it was always the heart surgery that uh, heart you know, that I was raising money for. My friends were saying that they'd like to donate to other people. So I created my own charity um, and I now support many different areas of, of Newcastle, but all to do with helping disadvantaged kids and poorly kids just have a better quality of life, basically, and try and, try and create the next Graham Wiley in, in Newcastle. That's fantastic. In a, in a city that you have the, the freedom of as well. Uh, the, the, I, I don't personally, the, the company did. Uh, right. Sa- the Sage Group PLC got the freedom of the city. And I was there to, to receive the award. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just a title. Um, apparently, the, the, the best thing about being the free, freedom of the city is that you can herd your cows on the town moor. Well, you know, I don't have any cows, so it's, it's a bit useless, really. Uh, I read last year as well that you've uh, stopped horse ownership. Uh, obviously, you had a very successful time in the horse racing industry. Uh, is that yes. to focus a bit more on your golf? 
Uh, I wish it was. Um, no, to be honest, uh, Elliot, I, I was very, very lucky and very successful. I, mean, I had over 700 winners and I won at Cheltenham and Aintree and Royal Ascot. And I had a great time. But but then two years ago, I had I had a bit of bad luck. I had my four best horses, sadly, were fatally injured live on TV in the biggest races, the Gold Cup, the Grand National. And I didn't have a very successful season. And I just thought something, there was something, a message being sent to me there. And and then COVID started and my businesses needed my help. So I just thought I'll concentrate on my businesses right now um, and, and make sure that they survive and, and, and make it through the pandemic. And I'll come back to horse racing sometime in the future. But uh, but right now, um, I'm focused on my charity work and my businesses. And, and I'm playing a little bit more golf, you're quite correct. <laughs> uh, and yeah, just finally, Graham, I've never been to Close House. I'm sure a lot of our listeners haven't. Just, yes, yeah, sell it to us. What, why should we come and play and stay at your golf course? Well, well, first of all, you've got two golf courses there. So you, you stay overnight and uh, you play both courses. And we have a, a wonderful restaurant and a wonderful clubhouse. But more importantly... It is spectacular golf course with spectacular views over the River Tyne. You know, it's it's not a flat golf course; it's a hilly golf course, um, and every every hole is is different. They, you know, they're in different directions, and if you play the course once, um, you will, you'll come out to play it again. It'll be a different course again, and uh, you know, I'm sure Lee wouldn't have put his name to a course that wasn't uh, wasn't good enough. And uh, everybody who comes here, a they have fantastic uh, service because the Geordie Nation. You know, we're a very friendly nation. And you have a great time up here, but the course is is is, uh, is, is quite spectacular, and and it's not it's a challenging course, uh, uphill and downhill, and uh, there's wooded woodland areas and there's lakes and there's uh, and the greens are um, USGA spec, so they're, they're quite slopey and quite difficult to read. So it's it's a good it's a good uh, test of a, a golfing challenge. But the other course, the Philly course, is a fun course. It's more forgiving, and so you have you have you have both aspects there, and so you just have a, a great two days uh, in in Newcastle. Oh, brilliant. Honestly, pleasure chatting to you, Graham. I really appreciate your time. And you too, Elliot. And it was great to talk to you. So that was Close House owner, Sir Graham Wiley, uh, discussing the 10-year anniversary. And nice to hear from him. Yeah, uh, I was very, very pleasantly surprised chatting to Graham last week. He's um, a real top guy. Been very, very successful in business. Uh, very successful, basically everything he does. And, and just uh, a really lovely man. And um yeah, what he's done there is amazing, and and what he's done with charity as well is amazing. And yeah, I hope listeners really enjoyed that, and um, we'll we'll be getting up to close house soon. I've I've never been there. It looks amazing. It um, seems like a really nice, friendly place. And and obviously, if Lee Westwood has, has chosen that as his sort of home destination, then it, it must be a great place. So um, yeah, congrats on ten years to close house. Yeah, and I think everyone I know who's who've been up to close house. Close House has had a wonderful time, so uh, do check it out if you're in looking for a golf tour or a golf break this this year. I know a lot of people will not be going abroad so much, so uh, I think that's definitely uh, one of the venues to keep an eye out on. And as we mentioned there, British Masters starts this week. The European Tour have had a very sunny three-week spell in the Canary Islands um, where they've enjoyed great sunshine, great weather, and I'm sure they get exactly the same when uh, the Tour teared up at the Belfry uh, this week. The Belfry did host a European Tour event last year, but this is the first time that they've hosted the British Masters for 13 years. And there's a tournament host in the form of Danny Willett, 2016 Masters champion, and I'm really looking forward to seeing some more golf at an iconic venue like the Belfry. Should be great, shouldn't it? Yeah, can't wait. Uh, really fond memories of this event at the Belfry in 2008. 
when Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño beat Lee Westwood, uh, I think live on the BBC, uh, I would have been um, 12 or 13 back then. So this was would have been one of my sort of young memories as a golf fan. And um, yeah, it was a, a really special tournament that week. And it was a great course with amazing history. So um, yeah, really good to see it back. And, and hopefully it can continue hosting on the European Tour for the future. I actually remember that vividly because I was watching that with my two housemates at the time. I was living, I was living in South London-ish area at that time. And one of my mates who quite liked a bet said, oh, I'm going to put a bet on the playoff. Oh, Westwood's going to win. And he put, I think, he put 100 quid on Westwood. Oh. And, then, and then he dunked it in the water with his next shot, I think, or something like that. Uh, it, was, uh, it was classic. So, <laughs> but no, I remember that very much because he, uh, he wasn't very happy. But um, quite funny. Um, yeah, and it's a decent field this week, isn't it? Willett's joined by the likes of Robert McIntyre, Bernd Wiesberger, Martin Keimer, Eddie Pepperell, and Sam Horsfield. Um, so it should be really good, shouldn't it? Yeah, I think decent is is being friendly. It's uh, obviously a shame that we don't see all the top Brits there in the British Masters, but that is sport, isn't it? And as we were talking earlier about how much these guys are getting paid, so um, yeah, it's just a, a sort of a very standard European Tour field, and yeah, big names like Bert Viesberger, Keimer, um, McIntyre. I'd like to see Bert Viesberger win. It's been quite a while, I think, since his amazing 2019, where he won three times. And uh, it would be really good to see him get back up into that Ryder Cup um, sort of talking point because uh, he sort of drifted away a little bit recently. Yeah, no, it has been it has been tricky. But I, I, I think you're being a slightly harsh, to be honest with you, on the field. I think it's a decent field. Also, I think we've got to remember we're still in a pandemic, so people actually aren't travelling around as much as they would usually. So uh, I think they've got a, a quite decent field. One thing to remember, it starts on Wednesday this week, so not Thursday. So if you do want to put on a little uh, gamble for who you think is going to win, make sure you get it on in time. Jeremy Chapman will be sending over his tips today. So, But before that, Elliot, who do you like the look at? You said for Wiesberg, he's 14 to 1. Anyone else you think has got a good chance? Um, is Higo playing? I don't think he is, is he? Um, the, basically the, the world's best golfer right now. But um, one of the Hodge guards, perhaps Rasmus, um, again, like Higo, actually, in that mould. I think he's actually significantly younger, but another fantastic star of the European Tour. Yeah, he is. He's playing. He is. Uh, I can find it. Twenty-five to one. So decent odds. There's there's been a lot of players who have been playing a lot of golf in this little little tour bit. I think uh, someone we should definitely talk about is Justin Harding. He's had some success. He's thirty-three to one. So I quite like the look of him. And what about legend that is Scott Hend? Ninety to one. Been playing pretty decent at the moment. Do you like Hendo's chance? Yeah, I've actually seen a few good rounds of his lately. So, um, yeah, a bit of form. Um, Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño is playing, actually, which is quite interesting. So, essentially, the defending champion from 13 years ago comes into the event of three <laughs> missed cuts in the Canary Islands, but maybe he'll be feeling a bit more at home in, in the cold British weather at the Belfry. <laughs> indeed, indeed. As you mentioned, Elliot, you've think that Rasmus Hogarth might do quite well this week. And, of course, he did win the last time that the Belfry hosted a European Tour event, which was the UK Championship last year. Um, he won in a playoff against South African Justin Waters. So I think he's definitely someone to look out for. And also, 
couple of people that you mentioned, Martin Keimer and Bert Beesberg, also finished top five. So um, I think it should be a really good week at the Masters, shouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that well now, Justin Walters leading. Um, didn't quite get the job done that day, but uh, yeah, Rasmus is a fantastic player and um, yeah, could definitely go back to back at the Belfry. Absolutely. Um, and there's another event uh, this week, of course, on Thursday, whereas the British Masters, of course, is starting on Wednesday. And that's the Byron Nelson, which returns this week, but with a new venue, TPC Craig Ranch, um, hosting this week in Texas. It's the first time that a PJ Tour event has been held at the course, but it will host it for the next five years. Uh, Sun Kang won in 2019 with the tournament cancelled last year due to COVID. Very strong field in attendance with Dustin Johnson, Kepka, Shambo, Ram, and the return of Masters winner Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, so it should be an excellent week on the PGA Tour, shouldn't it? Yeah, really looking forward to this uh, new course that we're going to get quite familiar with over the next five years, hopefully. And um, a surprisingly good field, actually. I didn't expect DJ to play, um, or to be fair to Shambo, Ram, uh, and, and Hideki. I guess Hideki's coming back to try and tune up his game to win back-to-back majors next week. Um, yeah, Ram been a bit quiet this year, although he's had loads of top 10s, but, but a guy of his calibre should be winning. So, um, yeah, should be really good. Looking forward to this. Yeah, and it's with all the majors now kind of like uh, squidged together in these next few months, I think we're going to see quite a lot more of this, aren't we, that players actually play the uh, week before the P- uh, before major, in this case, the PGA Championship. There's, we'll probably see people looking to find some form going into it, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. Everybody has their different strategies and it uh, looks like McElroy's taking the week off. I think Justin Rose likes a week off as well, but other players are dead set on getting tournament reps in. And um, just look at DeChambeau there. One thing we need to, know, need to mention is this is being played in Dallas, which I think is where he lives. <laughs> and uh, he obviously... Thought he missed the cut last week in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Went back to Dallas on Friday afternoon and, and had to get back on a plane at 2.45 in the morning to go back to Charlotte. And then now he's back in Dallas again this week playing in the Byron Nelson. So um, quite a funny story. What, what what that is called is a shocker. That is an absolute nightmare. He's, he's more or less wasted loads of money and lost loads of sleep um, because of that. He actually played quite well, didn't he, in the end? I think he finished top 10, didn't he? So... Um, uh, yeah, that is a bit of a shocker, that. But um, I think there's loads of people to look out for. Spieth's back playing as well. Um, obviously, Dallas native as well. So he's someone to look out for as well. Uh, there's going to be loads of good good storylines. Um, and we'll see who's in decent form going into the PJ Championship. Obviously, going to be great to see Hideki as well. Uh, see if you know this Masters victory for Hideki is going to... Um, you know, elevate his game and, and push him forward as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing who's going to win this week and who's going to play well this week. Jeremy Chapman will be doing his betting tips, of course, for this as well. So do check out the Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com, for his latest tips. Or of course, just Google it, Golf Monthly Betting Tips or uh, Jeremy Chapman Golf Monthly Betting Tips or whatever it is that you'll find us out on the net. Uh, Elliot, anyone in particular that you're really looking forward to uh, looking at who we haven't mentioned? No, not really. Um, just, yeah, just really excited for a big field and I can't wait to see Hideki back. I mean, I'm not really expecting much after the celebrations I'm sure he's had and, and the time off, but um, yeah, he was just phenomenal at Augusta and yeah, just a, a massive fan of his. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think another one is Kepka. You know, he's been struggling with injuries of, of, of late. Is he actually going to be able to play next week? Is he going to be able to get four rounds in this week? We'll have a look. But hopefully he's in a better, bit better um, form. And also his, his injuries are, are getting better as well. So it should be really interesting to look out for. So join us next week for when we'll find out who won the British Masters and the Byron Nelson. But also we'll be, of course, looking ahead to the second major of the year. It's the second major already. Where's the, where's the time going? But, you know, we're all very much looking forward to uh, the PGA Championship being played at a fantastic golf course at Keir Island. So um, do come back next week and see our whole preview for that. Uh, looking forward to it. Elliot, any other business? Yeah, just uh, just really excited for this week and next week's major. Uh, potentially, can see the career Grand Slam achieved by Jordan Spieth, who has been in fantastic form this uh, this year so far. So, um, yeah, uh, a very good time to be a golf fan right now. That is a very good point, and that's something we'll keep an eye out on. So, um, great stuff. So, thanks for listening today. I thought it was loads of good insight as ever. We'll try and get as much audio out from all the people around the world in the the main headline grabbers each week so keep coming back to us we really appreciate your support and um until next week we'll speak to you then 